We are Gateway Chapel, where we build your world by His Word. We stand for fun, friendship, fellowship, and family. You are listening to a Pastor Eddie message. Let me give your neighbor a high five and say, my neighbor, welcome to church. Amen. Hallelujah. Please, you may be seated. The Lord bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, tomorrow, like Pastor Bola says, actually my, my birthday, but um, we always choose the closest Sunday to celebrate. What exactly are we celebrating today? Well, today actually marks, uh, well, tomorrow, 6 p.m., actually marks, <laughs> actually marks my 34th year of walking with the Lord. Amen. Yes. Yes. Um, July 4th. Um, 1988, July 4th, 6 p.m., I gave my life to Jesus. What a ride. What a joy. The contrast, my life before, you know how they do all those photographs before and after. The before and after was, is so sharp, so distinct, that I decided to trade my natural birthday for my spiritual birthday. Praise the Lord. That's why ever since then, ever since I came to that revelation that I am a new creation in Christ, I have chosen to honor the day I got I, the day I got saved. I've chosen to honor the day of my birth, my proper birth, not the natural birth. No, the natural birth is subject to satanic attack, but the spiritual birth is not. The spiritual birth is insulated. The spiritual birth is not from a natural womb, but from the womb of Christ. And so God opened my eyes to see the spiritual transactions that take place with a new birth, and I decided to honor it. And I've been honoring it ever since. Praise the Lord. And that is why we are celebrating today. So it's apart from the fact that it's my 34th 34th birthday in the Lord and also my 56th birthday. I know I don't look it, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Got to say that, you know. (laughs) 56th birthday. All right. Natural birthday. God has been faithful. 34 years. And so I just want to encourage you today, today, this morning, if you are here and you have never given your life to Jesus, I mean intentionally, I'm not talking about just being a churchgoer. Intentionally, if you have never given your life to Christ, you've got to, you've got to take one step forward. Help me say, come on, say, take one step forward. <laughs> Hallelujah. Take one step forward. You know, and the, the fact that you were born in the, I always say the fact that you are born in the garage doesn't make you a car. And the fact that you've been in church for a very long time, and many, many of you have been in church, many of you have been in church longer than Satan himself, right? It doesn't make you a Christian. Come on, say, take one step forward. And if you have been, if you have been, if you've been, if you are born again and you and you are saved, but you're, you don't have an experiential knowledge. Come on, say, take one step forward. You've got to go deeper. Yes. So it's not just enough. It's not, so if, if you're not saved, take one, take one step forward and get saved. Even if you are saved, you can be saved and swim in the shallow waters of Christianity. What good is it you say you are swimming? The water is only up to your ankles. What good is it you say you are going for a swim? The water is only up to your knees. Will you call that swimming? You can't swim in a bathtub, can you? Mm. Come on, say, take one step forward. Praise the Lord. And so for 34 years, 
I have to take you one step forward, one step forward, one step forward, one step forward. And I find that every time you take one step forward in faith, that is next level. Yeah, you experience God in a new way. And so many of us don't have an, if you have an experiential knowledge of Jesus, it's a different kettle of fish altogether. A different, when, when I had that encounter, when I saw the life in Christ, not the life I see people live in Christ, not the life I see people live in church. I said, when I experienced the life in Christ, I said, no, this is too good. This is too good. This is too good. I felt like, I felt like Peter, who said, Peter had that encounter. What did he say? We don't want to go back. Can we just build one, three tabernacles, one for you, one for you, and one for me? That's experiential knowledge. That I know that I know. Not that I saw it in church. No, 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 no. Come on, say one step forward. You need that kind of experience. You need that kind of experience. And you cry and yearn for that kind of experience. It's at that depth that you see the difference between Christianity and church. You see Christianity and church. And so I saw that. I tasted of that. And I told myself, no, 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 no. I am going to, I am going to go for Jesus. Safer. Cheaper. More economical. Healthier option. Amen. So I prayed for that revelatory knowledge for you. In the name of Jesus. That you are here this morning is also, it's already a good step. But I'm telling you there's more. Help me not your neighbor. Say there's more. Yeah. This is lifelong learning and experience. Lifelong. Capable of transforming your entire life. We prospered on this stuff. Raised children on this stuff. Made decisions on this stuff. Their ability to hear God's voice. And follow his instruction as dictated by scriptures. It's a different life entirely. So I want to challenge you to be hungry for more. Amen. I want to challenge you never to settle for the, for the ordinary in Christianity. They can be the ordinary. What is in the ordinary? A religious life. They say, what are you doing today? I'm going to church. Half of the message you don't hear. Even the half you hear, 80% of this you don't practice. That is a religious life. But I am here, for, now think about it, for a man to be celebrating the day he met Christ and ignore his natural birthday. And he doesn't look as if he's insane. Do I look, do I look crazy to you? So you, you should, that should stir your curiosity. I said, what is it that will make a man do this? A man like me, I'm not Jesus, not that I'm his deputy. He said, what kind of experience will stir a man up to make this kind of decision? So I want to encourage you to go for it. You, 34 years ago, I made a decision. I, I made that decision to follow Jesus. I was never under duress. 
it was a decision that was intelligently made without stress. And after I made that decision, I also made a second decision to seek after him, to learn all I can learn and practice all I can practice until, until the supernatural become a reality to me. We call it experiencing God. You can experience God. In a turbulent world, you can experience God. Your household, now, mind you, I'm not saying that bad things will happen. I said, but even in the midst of calamity, you can experience God. Even in the midst of challenges, you can experience God. Our hunger, that's why Paul said that, that I may know him. The depth of knowledge, the reality of your salvation, the pursuit of faith, the expenditure of faith upon natural transactions, that I may know him. That's what we celebrate this morning. Praise the Lord. I want to cry out today and say, Lord, fill me with hunger. Fill me with hunger. Fill me with hunger. Hallelujah. It's been a glorious ride. And I pray that even as you fellowship with us, fellowship with me as a member of this family, that you keep going deeper in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I can give you endless encounters. But today I want to teach you about how to get your vision back. How to get your vision back. Many of us at the beginning of this year, we had a plan, we had a goal. We had some serious spiritual, we came into this year spiritually hung, hungry. We came into this year spiritually hungry. But even it's just halfway, half time. And many of us have already moved away from the things that we plan to do for the Lord and the things we set for ourselves at the beginning of this year. I want to encourage you with this message today. I'm using a, a, a Bible story. To teach you how to get your vision back. I see the second half of this year better than the first in Jesus' mighty name. Show me a man who compromises on his journey. I will show you a man who never, who never had vision in the first place. Show me a man who compromises on his, on his journey. I will show you a man who had no vision in the first place. 1988, after getting saved, I was, in my, I was in my father's car. He was chauffeur-driven. I was sitting in the front. He was sitting at the back. And, and the Lord opened my eyes. Young Christian. And the Lord opened my eyes, and I saw myself traveling around the world. And I thought, well, what is this? It was from one airport. One, never left my country before then. Never traveled before. I saw myself from one nation to the other, beautiful nations. It was an open trance. I wasn't sleeping. And then even in that, in that trance, I heard myself ask the Lord, what is this? And he said, the nations. In that trance, I made a vow. I said, Lord, if you will take me to all these nations and bless me, 1988, and bless me, and prosper me, 
and, and give me this great wealth you've shown me in all these nations. I said, I will leave every one of them, leave everything behind and save you in the local church. I had no clue what I was saying. And the Lord did that. 1994, I left my home country, went to Cyprus. Different story for another day. 97, left um, um, Cyprus, May 31st. And I came into the UK. And the Lord started blessing me. And then I got a, a job that changed my life forever. And that job involved going from one nation to the other. Working. All expenses paid. Paid. And I was having a good time. And then one day, while having that good time, the Holy Ghost came. I said, he's come to collect the vow. I said, what vow? He said, you said. <laughs> you said. This time, you know, we know when you are on, um, uh, I don't want to mention any figure. But you know, if you are, if it's very easy when things are not working to say yes. That's why many of you, when you are believing God for something and you, are lack, and you lack something, you'll be making promises that you can't fulfill. But the moment you've eaten and you are full, you struggle. I said, no, get it behind me, Satan. This is not the voice of God. He said, no, it says the voice of God. Remember on this day, in this location, I've come to collect a vow. Would it not be nice for you to walk in that kind of realm? But it is possible if you are hungry for it. Praise the Lord. So show me a man that abandons his journey and I will show you a man who has no vision. I want to challenge you to return to base. Return to first principles. Turn with me to Proverbs 29 verse 18. Proverbs 29 verse 18. King James Version, I love this version. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. The people perish. And so from in 1988, I'd already told myself, if God, if you would do this, I will follow you. I will give all. Nothing will be important to me. Nothing. And I asked the Lord, Lord, what exactly have you called me to do as a Christian? I want to encourage you to always ask the Lord questions. And right there, young believer, the Lord gave me a word in 2 Timothy. And I've been in pursuit of that vision ever since. Listen very carefully. Show me a man who abandons his path. I will show you a man who had no vision for that path in the first place. Many of us have vision for our careers. But sometimes... We don't have vision for our spiritual development. We don't have vision for Jesus. We don't. We don't. Where there's no vision, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, the people perish. The people perish. Let's go to the supporting scripture in Luke chapter 18, verse 35. It said, a blind beggar Verse 35 says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, 
Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. I pray that your vision will be restored this month. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. You know, those who led the way are the protocol officers. Yeah, they go, they go ahead of Jesus. Make way, make way. And mind you, he wasn't the only blind person. If you've been to Jerusalem before, which I recommend that all of you stop going to Magaluf and follow me to Jerusalem. Because, yeah, you got you to gotta go to the big church at least once a year, at least once in two years. You save. Don't take your money and go to Spanish island and then you are taking your money and go to Spanish island. You have never been to Jerusalem. Why? Is there no sun in Jerusalem? There's sun in Jerusalem. I'm telling you, when I went, I thought I, was, I thought I was flowing in the Lord until I went to Jerusalem. I saw a different thing entirely. Oh, you need to come with me. Those who led the way rebuked him and said, told him, be quiet. But he shouted out the more. He shouted out the more. He shouted out the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. Look at his hunger. Look at his hunger. Look at his desperation. Where is your passion? Where is your hunger? Where is your shout? Where is your cry? Why are you so lukewarm? Why are you so lukewarm? What do you think you signed up for? Party? Fun? Play? This faith, people died for it. And Jesus asked him the obvious question. What do you want me to do for you? It's not very interesting. How do you ask a blind man, what do you want me to do for you? That doesn't mean that the fact that, the fact that he, he's blind doesn't, doesn't mean that he wants to see. But the man said, Lord, I want to see. He could have said, I want to be hungry. What do you want the Lord to do for you? Why are you here? Have you come for him? Or have you come for yourself? 34 years ago, I sold out. I have come, and I have come for you. I have not come for the blessings. I have come for you. Everything you have to offer, everything the blood of Jesus has to offer, I have come for it. That I may know you, Lord. That you will reveal yourself to me. That you will guide me and lead me. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and Jesus followed and, and followed and followed Jesus. And followed Jesus. He received his sight, his vision and followed Jesus. 
Are you following Jesus? If you are not following Jesus, then who are you following? What are you doing? Who are you following? There is no point giving yourself a label that you will not execute. And, you know, and I tell people, I tell, and I, and I share when I, back in the day, um, when I share faith with my contemporaries, and I tell them, you need to be saved. They say, oh, I don't believe in church. I say, forget that thing. I said, I said, you have nothing on the church. I said, I said even you and I, Manu and Manu, boy you are boy you. I, 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 I will take you on with everything I know about Jesus. And I will match you. In fact, I was with one gentleman years ago when I was in uni, and, and he said um, he was a sportsman. And I said, and I, said, I was telling him about Jesus, and it was, it was rubbish in Christ and rubbish in. And I told him, I said, I will take you on. I said, you name, name what? I said, I, said I, can, I, can, I can show you the manifestation of the power of God right now. He said, I said, how are you going to do that? I said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I said, well, I said well, you're a sportsman. I said, how about if we run? I've never, I had never run in my entire life before. I said, let us run around this field, this, a field, seven times. I said, I said, I said, I said, I said, well, I said, I want to show you the power of God. And I said, I said, I said, how? I said, because my Bible tells me, if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, that same spirit will quicken my mortal body. I said, I can outrun you. And then we started. Lap one, lap two. Lap three, I must confess, I almost died. <laughs> Lap four, I needed oxygen. <laughs> Lap five, I couldn't feel my legs. But at lap six, it was like as if I stopped breathing. It was as if I was, I was running, but my heart was not racing. Lap six, sportsman passed out. And I beat him. And I said, that's to show you that Jesus is real. He's born again today. We have work to do for Christ. Being an enemy in the house. You know what an enemy in the house? The one that says he's a Christian where he's not. Doesn't help anybody. We have work to do. Our world is upside down, looking for Christians who will manifest the power and the anointing of Jesus, not those who will compromise. So it says, it says the Bible says here, it says, where there's no vision, the people perish. Have you ever bought vegetables and put in your fridge? What happens after some time? It perishes. Shrinks. Shrivels. That's what the Bible is saying. The word vision means dream. It means dream in Hebrew. Many of us have no dream about our spirituality. We have no vision for our faith. 
Where is, your, where is the vision for your faith? What are you asking God to use you to accomplish? Where are you going with your faith? Where are you going? The Bible says, if anyone will follow me, right, let him pick up his cross. But you've picked up his cross. But where are you going to? And so many of us have picked up the cross, but we've remained motionless. We've remained motionless. So I pray for you today, the grace to represent this faith well. Let this grace rest upon you in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for experiential knowledge of Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus. May your faith be revived and may your vision be restored in the name of Jesus. For starters, you came into this year powerfully. Many of you promised to read the Bible through this year, but you don't come past Genesis. You've not. Many of you, many of you promised to win souls this year. We've not won anybody. Many of you promised to share your faith. Just seven months ago here, approaching this year, you were making promises. What happened to you? This is just six months in. What happened to you? Where is the revival you caught towards the end of last year? Where are the promises that you made towards the end of last year? What I'm going to be sharing with you today, this principle, you won't just get your vision back. You can't get anything from the Lord from this very simple story. The very first thing we need to do to get our vision back or get anything back from the Lord, we see this man gave us that example in the scriptures. The very first thing we need to do is to believe that Jesus can change your situation. Jesus can change your situation. This is one thing I said to 34 years ago. Jesus can, I don't need to compromise my relationship with Jesus. He can change my situation. He can restore my vision. He can restore my vision for anything. I call this the hope step. Jesus can change my situation. He can change my situation. If you don't have hope, then you've got no power for change. And many of us, we don't have the power for it because we don't have hope. If you don't have hope, you can't change. Hope is believing that Jesus can change your situation. Hope is believing that Jesus can change your situation. Verse 35 of that scripture says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going, going by, he asked, What's happening? What's happening? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Imagine, imagine they're sitting down by the roadside, surrounded in the crowd, and he's probably not the only blind person. If he had no hope that Jesus can help him, he won't scream like that. Many of us don't have hope that Jesus can help our situation. If he had no hope, he won't scream like that. To scream like that means to call attention to himself. You won't do that. But if you know, if you know that if you can catch his attention, that every problem you have will be solved, what will you do? You will scream. When was the last time you screamed in prayer? 
When was the last time you screamed in praise? When was the last time you screamed in worship? I see many of you here. Right? Praise and worship. You, you come in after praise and worship is done. You miss the entire worship. And many also come late. You will never come late for your interview. You will never appear late for any meeting with your CEO. Why are you late? Um, actually, you know, I just woke up late and then my daughter was crying, so I decided to feed my... No, you won't, you won't do that. You know, someone was sharing, was it this weekend? He said, this is the only meeting where the CEO appears every day we gather. And you show up late. Because you have no understanding of the power of worship. Neither do you know that your heavenly father craves your praise. So you stroll in because you are the Alpha and the Omega. He can wait for you. He can wait for you. It just tells me you don't understand this God. You don't. You don't. If you catch a revelation of him, you'll be waiting here for the service to start. Waiting here. So there's a hope, hope test, hope step. There's nothing he can't handle. And there's nothing he cannot do. There's nothing he cannot do. His scream and his cry caught the attention of heaven. Will your prayers catch the attention of heaven? Will he? Will it? Then if it, if, it, if, it, if it will not, then what are we doing? A man that wants the change must know how to scream. He was ready to make a scene. What's going on? 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 I hear commotion. I hear commotion. What's going on? What's going on? He wasn't the only beggar. If you go to the gates of Jerusalem, you will see. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, it's Jesus. 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 Have mercy. Jesus. What direction? I don't know. Jesus. What happens? He was ready to make a scene. When was the last time you made a scene? When was the last time you made a scene in the spirit that would make the heavenly stop at attention? When was the last time? Do you even know how to? Well, let me help you out quickly. Let's look at some examples of people who made a sin in the Bible, correct? Yeah? Do you want that? Okay. First, Hannah. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 10 to 14, right? First Samuel 1, 10 to 14. So we've seen, we've seen Bartimaeus' uh, model of making a sin to get heaven's attention. Look at Hannah. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly. As she prayed to the Lord. 
Hannah was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Where was the last time you wept in anguish? Seeking the move of God in your life. When was the last time? When was the last time? And then she made this vow. We are talking about causing a stir in the spirit. The Bible says, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours. The Bible says, verse 12 says, as she was praying to the Lord, the pastor watched her, seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound. But a sound was made in heaven. He thought she had been drinking. There's something about that posture. They likened her to a drunken person. Twelve months after, she was sorted. Come on, say one step forward. You need to go deeper. How do you hope to have your prayers answered and your vision restored if you don't know how to cause a sin in the spirit? Can't even read one verse of scripture. That's not how it's done. The Bible says, exercise yourself unto godliness. In other words, exercise yourself to be like God. And God told Moses, I have made you a God unto Pharaoh. Another one. So that was, that was Hannah. Caused a stir in the spirit. Anguish in prayer. Second Chronicles 1. Verse 5 to 12. Now, here's another one. But the bronze altar made by Bazaliel, the son of Uri and the grandson of Or, at Gideon in front of the temple. So, so Solomon and the people gathered in front of it to consult the Lord. Verse 6. There in front of the tabernacle, Solomon went up to the bronze altar in the Lord's presence and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings on it. 1,000. One man. 1,000, one man, talk about causing a stare. As I'm teaching you this, ask, be asking yourself, how can I cause a stare in the spirit for my prayers to be answered and God, hear my cry? 1,000. Verse 7 shocked me. That night, that night, not tomorrow, that night, God appeared to Solomon. That night, that night, Bartimaeus screamed and caused a stir in their spirit. Hannah, anguished in spirit, and was mistaken for a drunken person. Solomon sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings, and God, that night, God came. He said, No, he didn't pray. God came. So, what about you? What are you going to do? You can't continue to live like this and experience God. You cannot. 
That's why you are here. For me to develop you spiritually, so that as we are mentioning these names, you ought to be mentioned as well. How do you think we got here? How do you think I got here? Eating tea and drinking biscuits? Or whichever. That's not how it's done. That's not how it's done. We grab our faith and go for Christ. With all that we've got and with all that we know. Paul and Silas. Acts 16, verse 12, 25 to 30. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were bound. They were locked up. You are not locked up. You are not bound. And yet, and yet, there is no song in your lips. Even the one created for you every Sunday, you come late for it. Raising my kids. I don't care who is in my home. I don't care. I don't care where that guest is coming from. We must be in church on time. It's a value in my home. My house is always empty on Sunday morning. If you can't live by that, don't come to my house. In fact, a, um, a Muslim guy came one time. I was my father-in-law's um, protege. And he happened to be in England. And then he came and lost with us. It was a Friday. We had a Friday service then. I said, sir, you come to church with me. This house is not available on service days. We are coming. He said, but I'm a Muslim. I said, well, you have a choice to make. Where are you going to go to this winter? <laughs> he came. I stayed in Solomon's Lounge. Come and say values. What are your values? What do you live for? Do you have values? Do you have spiritual values? Do those around you know them? If you're going to go far with Christ, you need, to, you need some. Here's a bunch of couple. Paul and Silas were held bound. You and I today will be complaining. Oh, Lord, why did you do this to me? Oh, Lord, oh, God, oh, God. Why did you do this to me? Oh, Lord, why, 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 why? All we say is why, 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 why? Win, 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 win. Why, 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 why? But what did they say? But the Bible says around midnight... They knew they needed to cause a stir in their spirit. Bible says Paul and Silas we were praying and we were singing hymns to God. And other prisoners were listening. Their attitude to their situation caused a stir in the realm of their spirit. Look at verse 26. It says, suddenly. Every time you hear suddenly in the Bible, it's because Satan is about to attack. But this is one of those suddenlies that God manifested. Suddenly, suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was, you can't hold a man who causes a stare in the spirit. You can't hold him down. How do you plan to cause a stare in the spirit this month? 
that will make the second half of this year 10 times better, brighter than the entire of last year? What do you plan to do? What's your action point? What is your spiritual strategy? That's what we're doing, church. Life is warfare. Life is warfare. And whether you like it or not, the war is coming to your doorstep. Life is warfare. What do you plan to do? What spiritual strategy do you plan to execute to take delivery of your promises this year? Are you going to just stay lukewarm? Stay idle? Stay flat? There's no, there's no passion, there's no power, there's no enthusiasm, there's no drive, there's no hunger. One last one. I will stop here. Acts 10, 36. Acts 10, 3 to 6. About the ninth hour of the day, talking about Colinius, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Colinius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So God still appears to people. So he said to him, your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. These prayers and these arms, your benevolence has registered in heaven. So they sent someone to him. They sent an angel to him. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon Etana, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. He will tell you what you must do. You are not meant to be confused. There's always something to do, but it is accessible by hunger and drive. Stagnation is not part of our salvation. All of these men are, all of these case studies I've read to you, they are ordinary men and women. Ordinary. We went to Israel the other day, and our tall guy was telling us that a man came, a man came all the way from one nation, and he came with his wife, they were barren, and they went to the exact spot where Hannah prayed this prayer, and nine months later, they had a son. 21st century. Don't allow the devil give you stories to tell. Don't allow your lack of passion and drive for spiritual things give you, allow the devil give you a story to tell. You are better than that, smaller than that, and we will live in one of the best nations of the world. Praise the Lord. That's your offer, and let us pray. Hallelujah. That's the prayer. I want to pray a prayer of personal revival. My man, you've got to take one step forward. You've got to go deeper. Are you not, are you not dissatisfied? Raise your voice and pray and say, Lord, revive me. Revive my altar. Revive me, O oh God. 
Revive my altar. Come on, pray like you mean it. Revive my altar. Revive me, oh God. I am tired of average spiritual life. I am tired of average Christianity. I am tired of Christianity without power. I am tired of a religious life. Revive me, O Lord. Revive me, O God. Revive me, O Lord. Revive me, O Lord. In the name of Jesus. Go on, raise your voice and pray. Raise your voice. God can visit you. Jesus can stop and hear your cry. God can send men to you. You can, you can experience the supernatural. Hallelujah. You can experience divinity in your humanity. Come on, ask the Lord to revive you. Revive me, O God. Revive my spiritual life. Set my altar on fire. Let the power of the Holy Ghost rest upon me. Come on, someone pray like you mean it. 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 You can bring the fire of the Holy Ghost upon your career. You can bring the fire of the Holy Ghost upon your, upon your industry. You can bring the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Spirit upon your marriage. You can bring the power of God upon your children. Come on, someone pray for revival. They revive me, oh God. I will not be average. Revive me, oh God. I will not be average. I will not be dull. I will not be little. Lord, light my fire, oh God. Light my fire, oh Lord. Light my fire, oh God. Come on, someone, raise your voice and cry out uh, for the power of the Holy Spirit to rest upon you where you are. And pray today and say, Lord, uh, I will not live here the same. Uh, I will not live here the same lukewarm Christian. Uh, I will not live here the same lukewarm believer. I will say, live here the same believer who is not hungry. Lord, uh, light my fire. Let my fire set me on fire, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, we cry out, O God. Light our lamps, O Lord. Light our lamps, O God. Light our lamps, O God. Light our lamps, O God. Light our lamps, O God, we pray. In the name of Jesus, brother, we thank you. We bless your holy name. We give you all the glory. We worship you, O Lord. O Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Oh, Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, rest upon us. Rest upon us afresh, Father. Create a hunger within us. Create a hunger within us, Father. Create a hunger within us. In the name of Jesus. I sense the Holy Spirit here this morning. Oh, I sense the power of the Holy Spirit here to rest upon one. Oh, yeah, someone's cry has touched heaven right now. Someone, I hear your, I hear your hunger. I see your hunger, says the Lord. I see your hunger, says the Lord. Behold, I do a new thing upon your altar. I hear, I see your cry, and I hear your cry. I hear your cry of the desperation of faith, and I will light your fire, says the Lord. I will move you to the next level. I will strengthen you, and I will uphold you, and I will reveal myself to you in a new way. Father, we thank you. Yes, Father, thank you for that cry. In the name of Jesus, thank you for that visitation. Thank you for that visitation. Lord, we thank you. We bless your holy name. We give you all the glory. We worship you, O Lord our God. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us at www.gatewaychapel.org.uk Remember to subscribe so you'll never miss another message like this one. Be blessed.